You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Matt Moore, who is not Adam Matas. Matt, how excited are you for this opportunity <laughs> to, to, to sub in for your co-host on Locked On Nuggets? I'm just really excited to show Adam what actually working for a living is like since uh, he can't be bothered during trade deadline week. Trade deadline day. On the beach, sipping pina coladas with a little straw, a little umbrella in it, while the rest of us are in the content mines, hammering away. But I am here. I am here to provide the takes. I have brought the takes to you, Anthony Irwin. I haven't taken, speaking of takes, I haven't taken a vacation in like five years. And Adam just at willy nilly at the beginning of the week. Hey, by the way, trade deadline day. I'm not going to be there. Shouts to Adam. All right. So let's uh, today's show, the usual show. We are first going to jump into the games or take you through the night's games. It was a busy slate. So we got to, we got to get our way through that. The second segment, seeing as today was a trade deadline, we are going to figure out whether or not the title picture looks any different right now than it did uh, before the trade deadline. And then finally, as it is Friday, and we always do our power rankings, Matt, you were kind enough to put together a power ranking of, what was it, teams uh, whose, or no, most impactful trades that were made uh, over the course of the last few days or today. That is correct. That is what I brought to you today. Awesome. All right. So let's start with the games. Let's look in here. Let's start with Portland taking on Miami. Portland wins 125 to 122. An incredible game. CJ McCollum goes for 35 points aboard and eight assists. Bam Adebayo goes for 29, nine and seven. Uh, I don't know how Portland keeps winning. They're they're witchcraft. That's how I don't get it. I don't understand. Witchcraft. I'm not kidding you. We need to conduct some sort of trial that they used to do in Salem to see yeah. and figure out what is happening. I watch the games and I do not understand what I am seeing. Like <laughs> it is baffling. Like my, like Miami's right there and like definitely should win. They just don't, they just don't win. Dame yeah. is quote unquote fouled on a three pointer. Yeah. I think he got his arm. It was pretty close. Like it was so ticky tacky. The Dan meringue, from Blazers Outsiders was like, boy, that's a ticky-tack foul. Like, that's how, like, <laughs> that foul was. But this is just, like, what happens. Yeah. We get to the final five minutes of the game. This is – here's one. The yeah. Blazers are the 29th-ranked defense in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. In the last it. five minutes of a game within five points, Portland has the ninth-best defense in the NBA. <laughs> it's not just that Dave makes all these shots. The other team – just turns into the villains from home alone where you're like, don't run back up the stairs. And they're just like, this will fool them. Got them now, Harry. Like it's so maddening. I don't know how, but the Blazers just keep winning. And and now they're going to be a game. They're just a game back of the fourth seed now. I'm excited that you brought the same energy that Adam has had regarding the Trailblazers all year because neither so he nor I can figure out this damn team. Next game on the on the docket docket here, you had the Knicks beating the Wizards 106 to 102 uh, in New York. Uh, R.J. Barrett with a big game here: 24 points, 10 boards, five assists. Uh, Rui Hachimura goes for 21, nine and two. Uh, the the Knicks. Then are, are we calling them back? Like what can we, can I actually ask you this? Cause, cause you've been doing this uh, a little bit longer than I have been, but the definition of back, what do we, what do we call that for the Knicks? Is it just completely relative? Cause the Knicks being back technically over the course of my career would mean that they play out this season and then next year they're terrible. And that's when they would be back. I don't think they're back because they've been making rational decisions and this isn't like built around like a cornerstone. Yeah. Right. Like this isn't, if you want to go back to like back from the nineties, you need a Patrick Ewing figure and Julius Randall is not that. So and RJ is not that. So it's just like, this is just like a good team Mm -hmm. uh, and they should absolutely not screw it up and they should absolutely not go bonkers in in free agency. They should just focus on getting uh, a, they should look to, to get a good draft pick. Mm -hmm. uh, And then that's like how they should focus. But I mean, they need to work on just being respectable. Cause if, if you rebuild the brand, like a little bit, like a little bit, 
then you'll be able to get free agents. You just don't need to like uh, try and ju- don't try and jump from zero to superstar. Just, this is where they so many teams screw up. Yeah, so many just, teams just be good for a while here. It, Cause here's the thing, like the magic can do this forever and never get a free agent because they play in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Right. But like the Knicks, like you just gotta be decent for a while. The swings in this game, Anthony were nuts. Yeah. They were, they were absolutely wild. So, okay. So the, the, the wizards jumped out to this huge lead uh, in the second quarter, they were 75% to win the game uh, with 8.24 to go. And then at the end, and then they lost it again. And then at the end of the game, they were up six. They were 90% with like five minutes remaining. And then the next comeback, like both teams are a wild watch night tonight. But I, I do think you have to be impressed with what you've seen from RJ Barrett and the progress that he's made this season. Absolutely. Uh, next game here, Clippers beat the Spurs in San Antonio, 98 to 85. I thought it was Wolf. funny after the game. Teron Lou said that at halftime, they were all looking around and saying they could have used Lou Williams for his offense. Yep. That's the thing. <laughs> probably, probably, probably could have used him, but you know, Hey, got, got to get that rage on Rondo. Apparently <laughs> really old school game, right? Like this just right. score is just like, like absolutely brutal in terms. And it was a brutal watch too. Like this was not, this was not a great game to watch. Like DeMar DeRozan had 23 points on eight of 19 shooting. Uh, and was and led San Antonio by far. Like, I mean, they it, it was pretty rough. I think one thing that I think the the Spurs kind of mismanaged was like I've been talking about how Lamarcus Aldridge drags down the starting unit, but when mm-hmm. I noticed it was also when he doesn't play, it doesn't get better. Right. It's just, like they needed to replace Lamarcus Aldridge, not just remove Lamarcus Aldridge. And so, mm-hmm. like I don't know, like this is going to get really dicey for San Antonio. Um, they couldn't find a suitor for Aldridge, which isn't surprising given where he's at, but they probably should have looked around to try and make another deal just to add something, but that's very mm-hmm. unspurs like. So instead um, we'll see if they can go on another run, but good defense tonight, I thought, but they were just outgunned completely. 13 points in the third quarter. 13. Woof. Uh, 76ers beat the Lakers in Staples Center 109 to 101. I guess I'll take the lead in this one. Danny Green gets his ring and <laughs> just lights up the Lakers to the point where, like, I, I love Lakers Twitter. I have been a part of it now for, for years. Uh, and, and the vitriol, the like passive aggressive vitriol uh, that was you know, just kind of aimed in Danny Green's general direction for making eight three-pointers in this one when he made, I believe it was like 10 three-pointers in all of the final series was 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 quite the kick to the uh, nether region. Well, okay, two things. One, um, I don't think you should complain because he just took all of his three-pointers and gave them to Anthony Davis, who was not <laughs> actually a good three-point shooter. So maybe yeah. don't complain when your 30% career three-point shooter shot like 44% through the entire course of the playoffs. So but whatever. Matt, when he comes back, he's going to do it all over again. Whatever. But two, uh, <laughs> you're missing the, the great irony here. Not only does Danny Green hit eight threes to beat the Lakers on ring night, in the very same evening, <laughs> Dwight Howard gets his <laughs> ring and gets ejected after the first quarter for Jocelyn and bumping around with Montrez Harrell in the most fitting ejection. And this is an icon. This is the, this is not the most iconic. That's probably Dallas at the palace, but the, one of the most iconic ejections in NBA history is Dwight getting tossed on ring night for him. It's up there with like, I forget what movie it was that Billy Crystal was a uh, referee and he forget throws Paris. out, uh, <laughs> he throws out Kareem it's my it's my farewell tour. Well, let me be the first to say farewell. farewell. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I just got my ring. Well, you can go look at it over there, there. Dwight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Last game of the night was the uh, Kings beating the Warriors 141 to 119. I feel like the Warriors are going to come up here in a bit, but 141, giving up 141 points to the Kangs. What? I don't want to say this. The Warriors defense was really good for like the first 20 to 25 games of the season. I'm getting a little worried. The team's checking out on Kerr. Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting, uh, I am the, like I, I am the Steve Kerr defender. Like yeah. I am the one that constantly is like, no, no, 
the Warriors were a first round out versus the Clippers. That's who they actually were. They were a first round out cute little team Mm -hmm. until Steve Kerr came along and made them into a juggernaut. I'm a little concerned because he called them out twice in the regular season and they responded. Mm -hmm. Then he called them out a third time. And since that time, like they haven't responded. Yeah. Not there. They kind of need the season to end. Like they just <laughs> maybe, but like you know, I, this is tough because it just doesn't I mean, work look, that way. It, you can you can you can you can look at this and just go, yeah, well, yeah, but Steph didn't play. Okay, is Steph going to make your defense better? I mean, he's going to make you he's going to make your offense better so you can get back on defense, which is important versus Sacramento. Don't get me wrong. Um, but at some level, it's like, look, man, like even if you're losing, if you lost, like if you lost 107 to 110 that's yeah. fine like that's mm-hmm. like okay hey you didn't have enough firepower because stuff was out that's understandable you give up 141 without stuff out and it just looks like the team has quit on you right without overtime right. this was a regulation 141 Yeah, we're going to talk about them, I would imagine, here in a bit. So let's take a quick second. When we come back, we are going to discuss the the, the title picture now post-trade deadline pre-buyout market and whether what we thought about the league heading into this is any different than the league that we're looking at now. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today in a daily podcast breaking down the biggest news stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On today wherever you get podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCKEDON, and you will save 20% off your next order. Not your first, your next. So however often you go to the website... And you make a purchase, use that promo code locked on, and you're going to save 20% off. And you're saving 20% off on an incredible product. We've been working with these guys forever now. And it is a the kind of thing, the kind of partnership you're really proud of, not just because of the ability that we've been able to work together, but also because of how great the product itself is and how easy it is to sell. I've told my family about it, close friends back home. Uh, friends that I've made out here. I personally use it almost every day, basically. I, I would probably say I'm closer to every day than anything else, any other way you could describe this thing. It's great for me because I'm always on the go, always have some errand to run or something to write or something like that. Avery got into some kind of trash or something, so I have to clean up and don't have enough time to uh, eat a full meal Built Bar is, is, has been great with that. I've lost weight since we've started working with them because it's a super healthy bar. Great flavors, great textures, just an all-around fantastic product. So one more time, head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKEDON to save 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com, the best protein bar you'll ever eat. So I'm let's start here. Let's let's make the baseline. What did what was your title picture heading into today? Like what were the teams? What's your top tier in terms of teams that you thought have a legitimate chance at winning a championship? Mm, chance chance is a loaded term, especially this season, Anthony. Um I'll, look, I'll, I'll just say this. I do the tiers pod with uh with Daniel LaRue mm-hmm. consistently on Real GM, and we just break down the league under different categories of whatever tiers we're trying to do. Um, and whenever we do the titles one, the, there's just two teams in that tier, and it's the Nets and the Lakers. Okay. And after today, there's nothing's changed there. There no team has moved into that top tier. Okay. It's still the Lakers and the Nets. Um, everything else that happened today was built around opportunities or opportunities lost for teams to move closer to that tier. So in case one of them slips, mm-hmm. somebody can take advantage and, and maybe get into the finals. But uh, as it stands right now, like there's no nothing today. Really, what was possible to happen to to reshape that picture? I think I'm with you on that. We got to see if and when 
LeBron and AD come back. I do think, however, like Denver, for example, and now, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Aaron Gordon to me was a perfect pickup for, for what they've needed. It was, it was, it was such a, a, an out of the park type of acquisition. Now it sucks to lose Gary Harris. And I think there are spots where they might, they, they might really miss him. Uh, it sucks. They did lose Will Barton too, right? Or did no, they not? He's still there. Okay. So, so I, I, you know, RJ Hampton, uh, I believe you and I are both in on, I think we yep. both think that one day he's, he's going to be a good player. Uh, but if that's basically in terms of just players that you have on your roster right now, if that's all it costs to go get somebody in Aaron Gordon who fills some of the grant hole that they uh, are missing somewhat this year and is also, you know, you have this fantastic creator in Jokic, let's go get a really good finisher in Gordon. It just makes a a whole bunch of sense given the teams that they're going to be going up against, given what Jokic is really good at given what Aaron Gordon needs to convinced needs to be convinced he's good at. I just, I, I love the move. And I think while I agree that it doesn't put them up into the Lakers nets category, I do think it solidifies them in that second category. And, and, and might, I think just for, in terms of teams built for the postseason, I think I would rather have Denver than Utah. So I think it's interesting because, um, I think if you're a basketball nerd, the way that, you know, so many of us are, I think it's very easy to be like, this is such a great move. Like he's such a good passer and a defender Mm -hmm. and he's so athletic and like, he's going to benefit so much from Jokic and he's also shooting 40% from three. So he, he, he fills in a lot of what Denver needs. Um, I've come up with a comparison model, which I think is pretty good for this nuggets team. Okay. Uh, Jokic is Steve Nash. Jamal Murray is Amari Stoudemire. I've always thought that they look so identical. <laughs> right, they right, move right. the same way across the court. Can you imagine Jokic with the floppy hair? How amazing that would be. <laughs> um, Jamal Murray is Amari Stoudemire. Mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. is Joe Johnson before he departed and got the big deal in yeah, Atlanta. Aaron Gordon fills the Sean Marion role. Yeah. He's the guy that's supposed to tie the room together. The only problem with this whole thing is just like, you can get all excited about it. And I think, you know, I just did an hour show on locked on nuggets and have done a bunch of radio hits today here in Denver. And like, it's a big deal. And it was a major acquisition and it was a great trade in terms of what they got for, for what they gave. And it's a trade uh, that was, they never make by the way. They, yeah. They, and it was important on all these levels. Like, yeah, it, it was all really good. But like at the end of the day, it's still like, it's still Aaron Gordon. Right. Like, like you're never going to, and this is, I mean, I've struggled with this and we've talked about this on Locked on Lakers about like the narrative power of the NBA mm-hmm. and how you can sometimes just reduce things. If you take a step back from how things look very close in the league and you take a step back and you just go, is Aaron Gordon going to be the difference for the Denver Nuggets winning a title? And you're just like, no, that's not the thing that happens in the NBA. But mm-hmm. I will, I will say this, you mentioned Utah. If you're the Clippers today was a bad day for you because the Nuggets got better and they got a guy that can guard Kawhi and PG. Yeah. Uh, if you're the Jazz, today was not a good day for you because the Nuggets got another guy that can do damage on the weak side, uh, another guy that they can use to guard Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. another weapon alongside Jokic, and you still don't look really good in that matchup. If you're the Suns, you don't love this because it gives you another guy that can guard Devin Booker uh, and who can apply pressure at the rim. Like The Nuggets got better today got substantially better mm-hmm. in their starting unit. Didn't just add depth. They got, they got a starter upgrade that replaces what they lost. Maybe the big thing is that when we did all the preseason stuff, the grant loss meant that Denver had fallen out of that second tier. Like it was clearly the Lakers. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, at the end of the season, you're like, okay, the Denver, you know, the nuggets beat the Clippers. So they have to be in there, but it did go seven games. The Clippers right. were up three, one. They did have double digit leads in all three games. Um, but without grant, the Nuggets had slipped. I think now Denver moves back into that second tier along with Utah and the Clippers as the major challengers to the Lakers. Yep. Agree with all of that. Kyle Lowry not moving means what for the title picture? I mean, I think if you're if you're one of the the, the contenders and not the Lakers, you're just really grateful the Lakers didn't pull off the deal, right? Like if, mm. if the Lakers had gotten Lowry and Drummond it would be even more over than it is now. Like it, Hmm. it's 
very likely the Lakers repeat. It's very likely that the Lakers make the the finals, um, at least to face the Nets. But if the Lakers had gotten Kyle Lowry as another ball handler, creator, point guard, like that's such a huge upgrade. I I like Schroeder and think he's played well this year, but that's such a huge upgrade. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to add Drummond alongside of it, like that's just a lot of firepower. So I think that's good. If you're in the East, uh, I think you're probably grateful that Miami wound up with Oladipo instead. Uh, You don't have to worry about Jimmy. Yeah. You don't have to worry about Jimmy Butler uh, and Lowry. Like that's a lot of like, we're going to grit you out. We're going to find ways to win very Boston Celtics post like 2010 ish. Right. In terms of like, just like finding ways to win with like veteran savvy and bam doing stuff. Uh, and then for the Sixers, I think you're probably, a little, I would be disappointed. Like there was a lot of positive talk about the George Hill trade, but I, I don't think people really realize where George Hill has been at over the last yeah. year, um, especially emotionally. And he hasn't been very, he hasn't hidden that a whole lot. Like it's been, and understandably like <laughs> it's been a hard year for everyone, but especially right. I think for George Hill, given everything that, that went on in really. Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and in Philly, that's a tough environment. So uh, I think it, it, the Lowry move had a lot of implications. The non-move had a lot of implications, but most of it was, was just that like major steps forward were not taken by various contenders. Last thing before we move on here. So I was surprised, generally speaking, at the price that it took for some of these guys to move. Like I was... I was convinced that it was a seller's market and it was really going to take a lot to get uh, Evan Fournier or it was going to take a lot to get Aaron Gordon. It was going to take a lot to get Victor Oladipo compared to normal years because of the circumstances that this trade deadline was going on. Were you surprised at the, at the average return for, for, for the guys who were moved today? Not necessarily because of a couple of things. This draft class is is so much more highly touted than last mm-hmm. year's. Like it's just it's considered to be better uh, from the top. It's it's considered to be better in the middle, uh, the back. Like this is a much better draft class. So moving this year's picks, I think, is tough. It's difficult to move picks when Oklahoma City owns all of them. Uh, I think is the other <laughs> kind of problem that you run into that when yeah. Oklahoma City has every pick for the next five years from every like team 30, is it 37 over something it- like that uh <laughs> i've lost track but yeah. part of this also is is who was in it was in these negotiations too uh if you want to like you have to kind of get into the details right so take gordon gordon and fournier i reported this earlier in the week on the action network like boston was close on a deal for gordon and fournier Mm-hmm. Uh, but Boston and tomorrow we're going to hear from Danny Ainge and you can hear more on that on locked on Celtics. And I'm expecting Danny Ainge to say the reports were just hilarious. Like we weren't even close to some of these deals. <laughs> I had three sources and not all of them were with the magic that confirmed that there was a structure on the table for two first round picks mm-hmm. and a player. Now I, I had, had did not report that Marcus smart was the player. I said that the magic wanted Marcus smart. <laughs> Yeah. And that Boston was obviously trying to pull back from that. But what happened as the week went on was Boston did. And look, other GMs talked about this, that not, not Denver, not, not Denver executives. This is other people around the league that I talked to. They all said on Tuesday, they said, I'll bet you. Den-. I had one GM say, I bet you Denver went and winds up with them. And I was like, why I, the Celtics are in the league. And they said, because the Celtics always come out with an offer and then they try and pull backwards after you've already said, yes. Woj said this too. So like that really pulled and once that happened, but here's the problem teams literally, once they found out that the Celtics were involved were like, I don't want to get into this mess. Yeah. It's too much of a pain dealing with the back and forth um, with trying to match the offers. So Makes they weren't going to get involved. So it was just Denver, Boston and Orlando talking. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Honestly, that, it's not only, and I'm saying this as an outsider, I don't have any out, in, inside information the way that you do, but you look at this from the standpoint, if I was an executive, the things that would drive me the most insane about trying to negotiate with executive X or GM X would be, all right, I don't want all the details of these negotiations making their way to the public. And I don't want, like, if you're going to make an offer, I don't want 15 minutes later to come back and talk to you and you act like that offer doesn't exist. 
that that offer didn't happen and and based on like you're saying the stuff that you're talking about and then the stuff that was reported elsewhere i was i was marveling at like man this is really how this guy does his business and i can't imagine i it would really suck to 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 feel like you have to do business with somebody who does it that way or, or so obviously that way so far to that that end of the spectrum of that way well, I'll say two things in their defense. One, I don't think that Ainge is the only one that the Celtics aren't the only I, one that operates this way. Um, they're not the only leaky organization. Um, they didn't leak during this one. I actually thought they were pretty tight lipped about mm-hmm. this one. You didn't see, like I was expecting more um, Celtics info put out in the media the day after the Sam Amick reported the same thing I did mm-hmm. on Monday. And instead they were pretty quiet. So that's to their credit too. Like Orlando definitely used, like leaks to uh, to advance their position oh, yeah like that was absolutely a thing that happened and then the final thing is i just think instead of thinking of it as like purposefully trying to misrepresent your position it's more a matter of just like everyone's trying to negotiate for the best deal everyone's trying to work everybody down um and everybody's kind of got their own tactic like there are gms that are just basically like this is my offer mm-hmm. i'm not going any further and when you're yeah. like well what about and you're like no i'm not going any further <laughs> right. You can call back, like, let's just hang up. And when you, you know, if you're interested in that, call me back, you know, and, and they'll, they'll Looked tell like, like we had that with Palinka and Riley yeah. and Uziri today. Right. Well, I, I, that was part of it. I think today was like Riley was, that was what I think was as impressive about the Lowry situation was that Riley and Palinka both were, were, were absolutely, it's very tempting to be like, you can add Kyle Lowry, like mm-hmm. you can add a hall of fame point guard to your team and do it for a pretty reasonable price. Yeah. Um, and both of them were like, you know, Riley was like, I'm not giving you Tyler hero. Mm-hmm. I do not like, no, I will. I will pass on this entire deal to keep Tyler hero. A lot of GMs bend in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Palenka the same way to be like, I'm not giving you Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, that's wild personally to me, mm-hmm. but like, I understand the reasoning. And on some level, like, yeah, I think it's good that there are these kind of like, that's how you avoid getting in trouble is like not doing that. And again, I just think with Boston, like they're always angling for the best deal and he's pulled off a bunch of good ones in the past. So as much as everybody talks about Danny, almost the Celtics have pulled off enough deals in his entire long history with the Celtics to understand, you know, why he was trying to maneuver for, from, especially in this market for a high opportunity. He just happened to to run into a motivated team in Denver. Yep. All right, let's take one more quick second here. And when we come back, we are going to uh, rank. Matt is going to rank. He's going to do all the work. But uh, Matt is going to rank the uh, top. How many deals did you have in your list here? I just got to 10. All right, we got 10 deals. The 10 most impactful deals that were made uh, today or over the course of the deadline? Just today. All right, cool. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Blocked On Podcast Network, NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan uh, to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Head on over to Bet Online. Use that promo code Locked On for a fifty percent deposit bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine can also be found at uh, betonline.ag and also the Twitter account at betonline underscore ag. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best place to bet, place all your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to betonline.ag, use that promo code LOCKEDON, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. BetOnline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON. So usually in this in this segment, I would uh, ask Adam, all right, how are you defining whatever it is that you are ranking here? So what are you looking at in terms of impact? Like, do you have a, 
a general system here? Do you have, is it relative based on the team that made the deal? Is it relative based on the team that didn't make the deal? Where, where are you at here? I think it's most impactful just in terms of how it shapes ultimately like the standings are like the concrete representation of this, mm-hmm. but how it impacts uh, the thought process of, of the teams. Like some of these are moves where it's like, all right, we're going to make a run here. Like, let's go. And some of these are decisions where it's like, okay, this isn't, you know, the, the ones at the bottom are like, okay, this isn't going to affect things as much, but it's something for the other GMs to keep in mind or the other teams to watch out for, or this could wind up impacting a playoff series later. So mm-hmm. that, like, that's the varying degrees of impact. Cool. All right. So where are we at with number 10? All right. Number 10 is Andre Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge not being traded and being bought out. So that's interesting that it's, I would, I wouldn't, well, no, cause they're, they're Andre Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge. Take that back. Well, this is interesting, right? Is like, um, you know, them them signing will probably would probably rank higher if we redid this list, mm-hmm. just beca- because Depending they are they sign. I actually want to talk to you about this because uh, I think it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of jokes on the internet. I don't know if you know this, that the internet's full of jokes, and a I'm lot of it's for. based around like the, people were just making like cracking jokes tonight about <laughs> like Chris Haynes went on TNT and was like this these two guys could shape the future of the league and everybody's like what league ha 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 mm-hmm. like what what are you are you serious and here's my thing uh the nuggets were gonna lose to the lakers last year no matter what that, mm-hmm. that they were gonna lose no matter what they were a anthony davis desperation last second catch and shoot broken coverage three-pointer away from at least probably going to six games mm-hmm. um a big reason why the Lakers dominated that series was what Dwight Howard was able to do to Nikola Jokic yep. and Dwight Howard before last year was considered a joke. He was considered mm-hmm. an absolute joke. Now Dwight was clownish in that series. I think he got too like, he got too wrapped into what he thought was his role to be like the terrible Batman jokes, the, yeah, the, the bully and all that nonsense. Um, however, like, I'll just say this, like Andre Drummond is a player that uh, I have been in and out on like 50 times. <laughs> I've seen him be so bad in Denver twice that his two different, I've seen two different coaches bench him in the same city mm-hmm. um, in different years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've also like paid a lot of attention and earlier this year and last year, he was really pretty good. Like before the Cavaliers basically were like, all right, that's it. We're done. Like mm-hmm. he actually was pretty good and he like the rebounding is a thing the offensive rebound is a good thing and the ability to get putbacks is huge when you draw the kind of attention that lebron does mm-hmm. so the fact that the dallas mavericks were really interested in adding drummond like they they were pursuing deals up until today um from what i understand for mm-hmm. drummond and they couldn't find a, a deal that that worked for them um they weren't gonna give much but you know they were trying to get a deal done with cleveland the fact that no one else got him that paves the way for either the Lakers or the Nets to get Drummond. And that, so what you're talking about is you're talking about a very notable player who is healthy in his prime, super athletic and big yeah. goes to the two title top contenders. I think that has to matter. And then with Aldridge, he's going to Miami and that's, you know, that's another weapon that they're going to have probably off the bench. If not, I'm assuming that he's going to be off the bench, but just having another guy to get buckets and Spo will figure out good ways to use him. Um, the fact that those guys weren't traded for, I think has some impacts on the rest of the league because there will be a, a, uh, a cost for not getting these guys for the teams that miss out on them or keeping them off the teams that he goes to. Right. right? Whether it's, whether it's the Lakers or the nets, like we just talked in the last segment about the top tier and that it's the Lakers and the nets. And this guy who is probably a situational playoff player, you know, he's, he's, there are going to be some series where he doesn't play, or if he does play, it's going to look kind of ugly. Uh, but there are going to be some series. Like I just talked about this with Pete in on locked on Lakers today, where I think that if the Lakers play uh, the nuggets and Drummond is, is, is out there and can just play 10 minutes and play that Dwight Howard bully role. I think that's, that's, about as much as you could ask for from Drummond in that kind of a spot. Is he big enough to, to, to body up with Gobert for 10, 15 minutes? Maybe, you know, and, and, and more importantly, if he doesn't go to, you know, like the Nuggets picked up uh, JaVale McGee today, M- M- McGee today, 
And so if, if JaVale McGee is instead Andre Drummond for whatever reason, or if, or if Dallas has Andre Drummond and you have Drummond bodying up against Anthony Davis at those minutes at the five, that's, you know, that's a lot more physical and that, that, that imposes a lot more of a toll on, on AD in those minutes than it would otherwise. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a, a bit of a stretch to say that it impacts the, the league moving forward all that much. Uh, but in the sense that it could, he could play a role over the course of a postseason run and help either the Lakers or the Nets win a championship. I think that's perfectly within the realm of possibility. If anything, I would probably bet on that. If Andre Drummond gives them 10 good minutes in a playoff series that goes six games and he winds up being a plus 10 in a game they win by two, Mm -hmm. like he's helped determine the title. Like maybe they get by without him. Maybe they don't, but uh, I do think it's on the list. Number nine is the most baffling move for me today. And this one wasn't like a, this isn't about like the deal in terms of, Oh wow. This really upgrades and has ripple implications. It's more a matter of like, what are you doing? The Los Angeles Clippers traded Lou Williams and picks for Rajon Rondo. (coughs) Excuse me. I was drinking water while you said that out loud, uh, that not only is it that the, the Clippers flipped Lou for Rondo, but included picks to do so. That's the part that I don't, I thought I was taking crazy pills. I reread the details of all of the various tweets about this thing multiple times over. And I thought it was typos from all of the best reporters doing this a few times over. And no, that's actually what happened. What the Matt explain this to me. Why, what the hell happened from the reigning executive uh, executive of the year, by the way, I'm not salty at all about that either. Jeez, of all the things to be petty about. Um, so the Clippers were mentioned like very briefly, like they called about Lowry, right? So it's like, if you're a Clippers fan, we might get Lowry. Okay, we might not get Lowry, but even if we don't, you know, we're going to get George Hill. Yeah. Okay. Or Ricky Rubio. Right. Or, and then like at the end of it, you at the end of it, you wind up with Rajon Rondo. Okay. But here's the thing: you're laughing, and I know that you're you're uh, you're not a fan of Rajon's tenure with the Lakers. Either one, I, I mean, he was good in the postseason. I, I he was I have really to good. Say but he that's was the thing: good. That's the thing. He was really good in the postseason. Like yeah. I'm sure he'll be good in the first round. You mm-hmm. know, like I could see, I can, and I could see him having a good series versus the Nuggets. They won. My only thing is that they wanted another creator, and Rondo is definitely a creator in the sense that he his passes do generate open looks. Like he's able mm-hmm. to look guys open. Yeah. But, and his defense is great, right? Like he really, like he, he bothered like Jamal Murray, like he really got up into him. And when he's engaged, it's really good. It's just that for me, it's like, okay, if he hits three pointers the way that he did with the Lakers, sure. But there is going to come a time when the playoff Rondo thing is going to come up short. And like, you're banking quite a bit on this. I know that they still got Beverly and like, they don't need him. Right. Like they can roll out lineups that don't feature him with Reggie Jackson or whoever, but it's just like, especially to give up Lou. Um, I'm not a Lou Williams guy. Like I consider Lou to be very much be a, a, an 82 yeah. game player and not a 16 game player. Mm-hmm. And, and history kind of bears out on that. He was like, he managed to get by and actually was pretty good defensively versus Denver. But in general, his playoff history is pretty bad. Right. And even I'm still like, you got really bad return for Lou. Like right. Lou is still really good. Like he's what a season or two, two seasons removed from, from six man of the year. And, and like was, was close on that conversation last year too, by the way. And if you, you know, if you have a night where Kawhi or PG doesn't have their jumper going, like this is a jump shooting team. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be a jump shooting team. And if you have a night where one of those guys isn't hitting, you need to do the guy to do that. And it's not going to be Rondo. Right. Um, you know, for, for Atlanta, like I totally get it. Cause they got, they pick up Lou Williams. Like they may never see him. Cause he'll be at magic city all the time. But like, if they ever, <laughs> if he ever comes by, right. if he stops by the arena, he can play a few minutes. And I, I think he gives them another weapon off the bench. Like they're not going to be good defensively off the bench, but they haven't been good defensively this year. Right. And there's a lot of teams that just like, don't care about defense. So I think it's, it was just a really perplexing deal. And it was, more, and I think the big impact from it was just, the Clippers, uh, 
like I'm not big on the George Hill acquisition, but they missed out on George Hill. Like they missed yeah. out on the guy that I'm like, boy, I don't know if this is a good one, but they, they needed something more along that than what they got. So it was a very confusing deal for me. Yeah. All of that. I agree with, with all of that. And, and the one thing I would add to it or, or somewhat disagree with is the notion that they don't need Rondo. I agree that they don't need him, but Rondo will never believe that. Right. And so like Rondo, like, so for example, when I was losing my mind at the fact that the Lakers were going to sign Rondo and not just sign him, but uh, re-sign him. And then, Oh, also give him a player option for the following year. I was told by Lakers Twitter, Hey, no, this guy uh, is just going to, you know, play 10, 15 minutes a night and, and uh, really matter in the postseason. And I said, I, <laughs> I just don't think that somebody with uh, Rondo's resume is going to be okay doing that quite yet in his career. And lo and behold, he averaged closer to 20 minutes a night. And, and I just think for, for Clippers fans who are telling themselves, Oh, well, he just won't play if it isn't working out. That's not how it works. If it ask anybody who has watched this guy, if it's not working out, he's going to continue to play and it's just not going to work. Right. All right. Um, My number eight, is George Hill of the Sixers just because it gives them, it does give them a point guard, right? It gives yeah. them a guy that can shoot from the outside that can set the offense. Um, not the kind of creator they probably needed, right? Like the drop down from, from Kyle Lowry to George Hill is substantial, mm-hmm. but a lot of this also depends on where George is at. If George is able, is able to get himself into a mental place where he wants to compete. If he likes the situation in Philly, if he sees an opportunity for him to win a title, then you know, if he really engages himself, it's going to be great because he's, he's had really good seasons and he's a good player. Uh, he gives them another shooter. You can run out a three guard lineup uh, with him uh, and some of the other guards that they've got and be able to balance the floor. I, I think that he'll be able to get an entry pass to Joel Embiid, which is really important. Uh, it, it was a good pickup for minimum investment. It was just, um, I think for the Sixers, like we kind of mentioned before, it was a, not getting Lowry and getting Hill is a downgrade, but it was still an upgrade from what they had before. Yeah. I, it's not, it's a fine pickup. I would maybe, I would maybe have, have put it behind the Rondo one just because of how perplexing the Rondo one was, sure. <laughs> but, but well, that was the thing is like, I didn't know how to <laughs> didn't know how to assess the Rondo. <laughs> I was like, this is a thing, but I don't know what it is. I have no idea what oh. the hell is going on. Uh, number seven, I, I went back and forth on, I don't know if this one should be higher or lower. The Celtics added Evan Fournier for two second round picks. So this surprised me. I thought it was going to go for more. Yeah, mm, I wasn't surprised. Uh, Evan doesn't have a good reputation defensively. He's mm-hmm. not like a stellar, like veteran dude yet. He's still, you know, he's a veteran now. It's crazy how, how long he's been gone from Denver. Uh, he was such a kid when he was here, but like solid score, but there's just, I think there's a lot of skepticism. He was ever in Denver. Yeah. There's a lot of skepticism in the league that um, he can be what he's been in Orlando on another team. Mm-hmm. That like, if you raise the bar, it gets harder for him. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily fair because like, look, he's getting like, he's on the scouting report page one every night. If you're facing mm-hmm. the magic, like Evan Fournier, it's like Vucevic, Gordon, and then Evan, you yeah. know? Um after faults went down at least and and the returns have shown it like there was a betting trend if evan played you wanted to bet the magic against the spread and if evan was out you wanted to fade the magic like that was a yeah. thing that we were doing for a while um they got they give up very little for him i still think that the celtics fans have to be disappointed that like they walked away with mo wagner and evan fournier yep um but it does give them another score it gives them a veteran score that they can bring off the bench and their bench has been so bad. I think there's real value to that because Evan can also run a little bit of point. Like he can mm-hmm. run the offense. Um, he knows what he's doing. He'll listen to like, he's coachable. Uh, he'll fit well alongside the other guys and be patient. And he's also, he's not going to make a ruckus about getting shots. So yeah. he's, he's a low maintenance, high efficiency wing. So I, I think you have to put this one on the list and, and it went here for me. Uh, I, I wonder if I should have put this one higher. I would agree that or with, with your wondering there at the very end that, that maybe it should go a little higher just because they gave up, like they gave up nothing for him. Right, Those right. second rounders are never going to matter. And he's somebody who does fortify something that they have of need. It's just that 
I don't know that bench scoring was as pressing a need as, as some of the other questions that they have across their roster. So you're probably going to disagree with this one because most people think he's washed, but I put number six is the Mavericks getting JJ. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing for me is, is it's more of what it signals. So the Mavericks tried in the off season to balance their team last year. They were all offense, no defense. Yep. And so on the off season, they were like, okay, we're going to balance it. We're going to get Jay. We're going to get Josh Richardson and we're going to get James, James Johnson. Johnson and Wes Awundu, and we're going to have defense and offense and put them together for an awesome sandwich. Which, by and the way, I kind of liked. Yeah, I, liked I thought I loved it. The, I, I thought the Mavericks were going to win a ton of games. I picked their over. I picked Luka for MVP. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose some money on the Mavericks this year, Anthony. Um, <laughs> but instead, it just didn't work. And then yeah. after all the COVID stuff, when they kind of recentered, they just basically stopped caring about defense and just played, started playing offense again. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're just all offense. And so what this move does is just, like, resets them back to that, which is like, okay, nope, we're going to get rid of James Johnson and Wesson Wundu, and we're going to add J.J. Redick, and we're just going to shoot a lot of threes, and Luca's going to score a ton, and we're just going to outscore you. And, like, that, they just re-embraced being an offense-only team. Yeah, and- I mean, I, I – so one of the things that I thought was really important last year in the bubble and, and so far this year has been the teams that do kind of recognize their identity – and sell out to that identity. And I think uh, in a, I think in a more typical season, that more balanced approach, I think would have paid more dividends. And also, by the way, I do think that that more balanced approach had would have worked out better in the postseason. Like one of the things that you and I talk about a lot is how different the regular season is compared to the uh, postseason. And in the regular season, selling out to the offense and just outscoring everybody when nobody can really scout for that good of an offense, that extreme of an offense. Uh, it, it works on a more 82 game basis, but in the postseason where you can focus on, Hey, let's, let's just go at JJ as often as possible. Hey, let's go at so-and-so as often as possible. And, and really kind of continue to pick and pick and pick at that scab until it's too much to overcome that's where I, I like it for the regular season. I like it for where they are right now. And I'm, I'm curious about what it's going to mean for them in the postseason. But I still, I still wish we could have seen more of that experiment in a more typical year. The number five was the Blazers got Norman Powell. I thought this was a great move. Uh, I just thought it was a really good move. They had to give up Gary Trent Jr., which was like, that's a, that's a pretty big one to give up. But Powell yeah. was one of maybe the most underrated value on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had a lot of suitors. And so for them to get him for, for relatively little, you know, GTJ is a good player. I think that's a good get for the Raptors. I think it's a good deal for both sides because the Raptors get a younger guy that um, they can kind of build around. That's probably going to be more cost efficient for them. And the Blazers add another wing. That's going to be an upgrade. I think it's a shame they had to give up Rodney hood in the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Powell, you know, even if they just put Powell more minutes in the second unit, the Blazers second quarters are just an abject disaster. They just got to balance it out a little bit better. And mm-hmm. Powell will be a defensive upgrade on the wing. He's versatile offensively. He fits really well. I just think this is a really good move for them. On one hand, I want to say that I don't get it. I think it was upgrading a position that they were already decent at. And I'm not sure that Powell McCollum and Dame uh, all playing at the same time is uh, an equation for success in the postseason. But on the other hand, I've been so abjectly wrong, <laughs> like hilariously wrong about Portland all year that I don't know what to say here. I, I just I'll, keep you know, doing what it. you're doing and use that witchcraft and, and we'll <laughs> see where it goes. I'll share an interesting comments uh, tonight about the trade. He said that it, it felt like things were getting stale and they needed to shake things up, which was weird because they just reconfigured the team in the off season. Right. So, yeah. Been a like it's weird that he, he said that. I wonder if there might have been some off some locker room stuff or something else going on. I also think like I know they were they were they really wanted Aaron Gordon. Like mm-hmm. they were they were that, very that would have made a lot more sense for them. <laughs> well, they were very much in pursuit, but they don't they literally do not have the assets. Like yeah. they put like a very like what is a very strong offer in terms of what they have available, and Orlando was still like eh. Yeah. So they just couldn't get him. And you know, if you can't get, if you can't get him and get Norman Powell and I'm sure Powell will win some games for them. So I thought it was a pretty good uh, addition. Number four is Victor Oladipo to the heat. 
So this is another one that I was surprised at how little he went for even understanding how, uh, where he's at physically and in his career and even understanding, uh, that he is probably going to need to get paid and even understanding all of these various things. I was still surprised at how little he went for Uh, there. Okay. Hmm. Trying to think how to put this. There were concerns about giving up assets for a guy who has worn out his welcome mm-hmm. in multiple places. That's fair. So everyone kind of looked at the Indiana situation and went like they were able, they were able to either piece things together or did their research and asked mm-hmm. around to find out. And it's like, if you're in the, like, why would Indiana give up a player like that? You're not going to like, you don't get guys like Victor Oladipo in Indiana. Right. So why wouldn't you keep Victor Oladipo? Why is Victor Oladipo available? And it just became kind of known. And this was the, the where Houston really made the mistake. Houston should have just kept Karis LeVert and, yeah. and Jared Allen. Now at the time I liked it uh, because I was like, Oh, like this is like Houston's a big city. Like Houston's a big city. It's a marquee like franchise. They've won championships in the past. They made the finals here back in a little bit, but the reputation around Houston is such that everybody kind of wants out. Everybody yeah. wants out. Yeah. And so once that became apparent uh, and the Rockets weren't going to pay him, the other teams also weren't going to invest in anything because they knew that Oladipo was going to get to free agency. Like if you want him, you just wait right. and you can make an offer for him in free agency. Now, you know, he probably won't get there because Miami showed that how much they, they believe in him. They traded assets for him. They traded multiple players. Um, and I also had heard this was out there for months that there were two places he wanted to go, New York or Miami. If you want to go to the New York or Miami, yes, the, the Heat are a very good program and team. But if you say my two teams are New York and Miami, you can kind of get a sense for where a guy's head's at. Yeah, there's so, there's something else going on there. Right. So, so yeah, I think Oladipo with the trainers in Miami, I think he'll do well. I think I wouldn't be surprised if there's a resurgence and all of a sudden uh, he looks much better. He wants here. to be there. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Is it turns you as a Lakers fan may notice this from time to time. The players that did not look like they wanted, they were playing great other places. Suddenly, playing much better when they're in uh, a Lakers uniform. Who would you be? I don't even know who you're talking about. Uh, so number three is Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets. <laughs> um, this one we talked about in the second segment. I mean, it's a it's a great fit. It's impactful. It they improves their ability to match up with different teams. He helps on defense. He helps on offense. They had to give up very little for him. It, it it's part of a broader narrative of the Magic really truly rebuilding. Uh, it was a pretty major deal today, and it's surprising that it didn't wind up higher given everything. I. Also, on top of all of that, would say that it signals a level of commitment that the organization to this point has kind of fallen under criticism for for not making this kind of a move. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's important to A, a f- the fan base, for one thing, and then B, the actual core, the core that they have, it's, 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 they have the makings of a winning core there. So you want to, you know, for them, they now know, all right, we're all on the same page here. It, you know, if you, if you, if you take a swing and you miss it's costly you know i think poker is a better terminology like the nuggets maybe didn't go all in here but they also didn't have to they mm-hmm. made a huge bet knowing that they had pretty close to the nuts and they wound up winning so mm-hmm. uh pretty big deal for them uh in this trade number two was the shocker of the day uh, a monster deal with the chicago bulls adding nikola vucevic wow so, that's number two for you yeah so that was just i i <clears throat> really stunning to start the day off like that. Uh, Arturis Karnasovas, who uh, unsurprisingly to anybody that covered him in Denver works in silence. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be hard getting information out of the bulls. And they were, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I had heard that they were moving around Oladipo and that they were preparing mm. to try and move for him. And it sounds like they were talking about Lonzo and they went to Oladipo and they kicked the tires of the magic and the magic were like, well, since you're here, well, <laughs> mention it. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a massive deal. You know, Wendell Carter jr. Is a guy that I'm trying really hard not to dog. Uh, I think I've made the comparison to Tyson Chandler with him where Tyson was really bad with Chicago. Mm-hmm. Didn't know how to defend lanky, awkward, super athletic guy, just kind of moving around. 
uh, he's seasoned and matured in New Orleans and turned into an, a real impact player. Yeah. And then from there went on to be defensive player of the year and win a title with the Mavericks. So I, I can see the same thing happening with Wendell Carter Jr. But when you look at the splits, uh, here, here's a good indication. Zach Levine has the worst defensive rating on court for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's not surprising because you're like, yeah. Zach Levine sucks at defense. You take Wendell Carter Jr. off and Zach Levine's defense drops by almost 10 points. Like it gets better by almost 10 points per hundred possessions That's whenever crazy. Wendell Carter Jr. is not on the floor with Zach Levine. Um, and if you, and some people have said today, they're like, but Nikola Vucevic is a bad defender. I'm like, well, look, Vucevic was a bad defender years ago, mm-hmm. but much like a lot of guys, as they get older, they just get better. And he was coached by, by Frank Vogel and Steve Clifford. And those are two of the five best defensive coaches over the last 15 seasons. Mm-hmm. And he's picked up a lot. And he is very good in drop coverage, which is all anybody plays in the regular season. Guess what the Bulls play the most of? Drop coverage. So yeah. uh, he's going to be fine there. He and Levine are actually going to tear teams up. Um, they have a lot more versatility with what they can do. I like the augment- the auxiliary moves that the Bulls made as well, adding Daniel Tice. I thought that was a great move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just – I don't know how – you hope to stay in front of or contain Levine given the amount of spacing that he could potentially have around him. I just, he's one of the most dynamic players in the league and he hasn't been talked about very much because for whatever reason. And, and I just, I, I find him really, really fun to watch. And it's, it's one of those, he's one of those guys who you just look at and you say, guarding that guy would absolutely suck. Like he's he's super athletic and he can shoot, which means you now have to go out and and press up on him when he's more athletic than you. And then now you add to to that equation this big who stretches the floor. And I just don't I don't know what you do with that team offensively. I really don't. My favorite Zach Levine stat this season. Um, you can do you know we've seen all these basketball reference like you know shooting four point one two percent at least from an uh, you know true shooting percentage and. Average it has a assist turnover percentage of you know four like all mm-hmm. these eliminators. Here's a pretty simple one: twenty eight points per game, five assists per game, fifty percent from the field, forty percent from three. Yeah, that's a pretty. Those are pretty baseline. This season, Anthony, there are two players that have done that: Kevin Durant and Zach Levine. <laughs> that's it. I've that's always said holds. that those guys are in that yeah. same class. How, how often have we compared Kevin Durant <laughs> and Zach Levine? So um, anyway, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to watch the Bulls. They're going to be a lot of fun. I think they're going to make a playoff push. Uh, they better make a playoff push because Anthony, I have so much tied into Bulls playoff futures. I have an embarrassing <laughs> amount. So when that Vucevic trade came through, I was excited. Let's go. go. Bulls, go. <laughs> so it was getting kind of dire for a while there on Bulls are going to make the playoffs island. Hey, sometimes being bullish pays off. You see what yeah. I did there? Uh, all right. Um, and the number one um, is, we talked about it. The biggest news of the day is the Raptors didn't trade Kyle Lowry. Yeah. That's the biggest news. It, it means the Lakers don't get this the Hall of Fame upgrade that they, they've so often gotten after the deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the heat don't pick up another superstar to go with Jimmy Butler. Like old was not a superstar. They get a good player, but not a superstar. The Raptors are probably going to lose him. Like the, the sense I got from everyone talking around the league is that he's gone. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and, and that was part of it was like when, so Michael Grange, who is a great reporter reported like weeks ago, they're not going to trade him. And then he, even he backed off. And the sense that I got from talking to people was that the whole thing was built around what Kyle wanted was that they were negotiating and they were like, what do you want? And Kyle was like, yeah, you know, Philly, Miami, LA, that sounds great. You know, Mm -hmm. and then he could hit free agency. But I I think part of it was that Lowry wasn't willing to be like, yes, I will resign. Like he wasn't willing. He's like, he wants to look around. He's, he hasn't been a free agent in, in years and years and years. And he's still spry enough and good enough to be able to, to command a contract. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that the Raptors traded Norman Powell and like they cleared up three roster spots. That's that, that was what tripped me out. I was somebody who all along said the Lakers were only involved in this because leverage. 
right? Yeah. Like Masai is really good at his job. And, and I think the Lakers are being used as leverage here. And then uh, the Sixers trade for George Hill, Miami trades for Oladipo, Toronto had already opened up those roster spots. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is what this is actually what. <laughs> and, and then it didn't happen. It was crazy. It, it reminded me, did you ever see 22 jump street? Yeah. Where they're in the car scene, car scene, and they shoot like the literal gas tank, yes, and nothing happens, right? right? And then, and then they like run into the the truck that had some chickens on the back of it, and that's the giant explosion, <laughs> right? 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 right, right. <laughs> it was exactly that. Um, as a Lakers fan, would you have been unhappy if they traded Taylor Horton Tucker for Kyle Lowry? I'm lower on on THT than than most, uh, so I, I wouldn't have been quote unquote upset. I do think though that there would have been quite a bit of risk if they do that. I, I you're trading two rotation players and you know, a, a, a guard who is probably better than most guards that you're going to go out and try to get on the buyout market after you make this kind of a deal. So like, that's a lot of depth to trade for somebody, albeit somebody that a lot of people really, really like, but that's a lot to give up. And, and I think that's where the Lakers were a little nervous too. It, like, it's funny the way it's always framed. It's always like, THT was the last straw. And it's like, well, yeah, but he, it's not like he's in the trade by himself. You know, <laughs> right. there, there, there are two other rotation players that are involved here. So right, right. The, if the Lakers had a young player or another guard, I think they probably would have been more comfortable offering up Taylor Horton Tucker. But once you trade for Kyle Lowry, your other guard is Alex Caruso and you don't have anybody outside of those two guys and LeBron who can dribble. Right. I think it gets, they, they got a little nervous about that. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's my list of the most impactful trades with the most impactful trade being a non-trade, but that's how I things agree. are in 2020. I was, I was surprised when number two was the, was the Vooch trade, but I actually completely agree with the way that you framed that there. I, I really do. I, if, Somebody not named Masai Ujiri doesn't trade Kyle Lowry in that spot. How much crap did they get? And Ujiri, by the way, completely deserves the benefit of the doubt that he's getting. I'm just saying that I'm wondering if that's a, if that's a, a mistake that we aren't necessarily calling a mistake because it's Masai Ujiri. I think part of that is like, who's going to call him out on that is probably going to be local media. Right. And local media is not going to do it because they want a title and it's yeah. Kyle. Like I think Kyle Lowry has been amazing. And the story of him in Toronto is incredible. Yeah. For a guy that was so taciturn for him to be as like beloved as he is. There is an incredible story. Even I've been like, God, this is a lot for Kyle Lowry. Like this, mm -hmm. like the, there were odes and retrospectives and like, <laughs> this like deeply personal moment. And I get it. I, I do because like, this is what what's cool about sport. Like that's, what's cool about sports is that these connections are made. And so like, I, there's that part of me that's cynical. And then there's this other part of me. that's like, shut up. Don't be like that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of why is that no one in Toronto is going to, is sad that Kyle Lowry is still there. No yeah. one is, is yeah, like cool very, like there are probably some, you know, segments of Raptors Twitter that are like, this is a mistake. This is going to cost us. Mm -hmm. You should have traded him, but it's a very small minority. I think most in general, everyone's like, you know what? If he just stays here, that's fine. Maybe he'll stay forever. Like, cause right now, like you're in that space where like the fans are like, maybe he'll stay and then we'll, we'll get Giannis and then we'll win a title and, and, and Kyle will win another one. And like, that's not how it's going to go. Mm -hmm. um, but as I always say um, from the, the famous movie, of course, things are going to end badly. If they didn't, they wouldn't end. That's a good point. That's a good way to, I mean, that's a, that's a good way to send off this podcast. It's not ending badly. I'm not saying that, you know, I never want to talk to you ever again, but, but you know, it does have to end. I, is there any way whatsoever that Toronto can play one more game in Toronto, get out of Tampa for like one game. And so like the one bummer, like the biggest bummer that I was looking at, with the notion of Kyle Lowry probably being moved, right. As he's saying goodbye and he's waving goodbye to the camera on his way out. Right. Uh, I actually got a little sad because he wasn't going to have that send off game in Toronto. Like it, yeah. it given, given the stuff that you were just talking about, it really sucked that he was not going to get that out there. And 
I, I wish there was some way somehow that he could get that game before he goes somewhere else in free agency this year. Given where, given where Canada's availability of the vaccine is right now, I can't see it. Like I think yeah. the U S we're going to have, like, we're going to be back at full capacity by the time probably the playoffs begin, mm-hmm. like not full, but probably like pretty we're gonna have we're gonna have crowd crowds for the playoffs yeah i know the um, lakers are kind of planning for it too so. yeah so but canada's a different deal mm-hmm. it's these things are bigger so i mean it sucks but you know what maybe he'll sign a one-year deal with toronto and say one more year and then yeah depart. or a few more months and then maybe get moved at that deadline <laughs> yeah maybe that's what happens to the lakers <laughs> for like i don't know Taylor Horton Tucker and only Taylor Horton Tucker. No, like what's le- what's less than Taylor Horton Tucker? Like, who is the absolute lowest person on the be- on the bench? Tyler Heroes in Miami, so I can't quite say that. No, uh, I'm saying like in, no, from I, from from the Lakers. Like, who's like the absolute? I guess last like Devontae Kaycock, I guess. Costas Atendakumpo. Yeah, for co- the the. The guy <laughs> did it. He got a, he got Atendakumpo. He finally did it. All right, that's a good good thanks for joining us. (laughs) All right, thank you guys very much for tuning into this wacky trade deadline. Matt and I are both delirious because it's been a long day and we're both up way too late recording this thing. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Adam, for going on vacation. Shouts, Adam, for that one. Uh, make sure you guys are tuned in for reaction to the the trade deadline, to the buyout market. Uh, and and to the and, and get you guys ready for the playoff picture itself. So that's on this feed, all of the local feeds, and then across the entire network. Have a great weekend, and I and maybe Adam will talk to you next Friday. So long as I didn't get. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.